Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. I'm not going to be Jonathan Storman. You can do it, man. I'm not going to be Jonathan Storman. I'm not Jonathan Storman. Who are you? My name is Stephen Mackey. All right, friends, it's mailbag time. (laughs) And we've got returning, many of you remember him from the May 2004, (laughs) 14, uh, 14, excuse me, wrap-up show, Stephen Mack. I hope hope that you don't remember the arrogant seminary, thought I've learned everything in the world (laughs) version of myself that now I'm just a little bit disappointed in. No, well, you know, okay. Stephen Mackey is back. He is a friend of mine. It was mailbag time. He said, hey, I'm going to be in town on Wednesday. Let's get lunch. I said, I got something better than that. Come on. Let's get lunch, and then you come be Vanna White. I love it. For the mailbag. That's it. Well, I'm, great. I'm great at being that. Just Yeah, but as an eight, the, yeah, no, I don't think as an eight, this is going to be something that's going to be very easy for you to... to you know what? I'll say this. So I've thought a lot about just my eightness and kind of what it looks like to not want to be controlled or to be, uh, you know, in c- controlled by someone else. And but the thing that I found is when the person is someone that I trust or look up to or have some sense of uh, admiration for, it is much easier for me to do that, uh, which is going to make this even more difficult than it normally would. Ouch. No, I'm joking. Oh. Of course not. I know you look up to me. We used to train together. I'd help you out a lot. Yep, not Help true. you get... Nope. <laughs> not at all? No, no. I, in, in all seriousness, I, I still tell people, this is... Luke is my pastor. Uh, he's more than a friend. He is more than a great podcaster. He is He is my pastor. And so I'm super stoked to, to this. I told my wife yesterday, I said, babe, like, I've, I finally made it. Like, I am... I'm getting on, getting on, newsworthy or norsworthy. And man, this is it. <laughs> okay, well, the backstory, Steve and I used to be part of church together uh, outside of Dallas, and Stephen has gone on to be like, uh, he's kind of like the the Bob Goffer high school coaches. <laughs> okay. That's like I'll you, take that. You're, what is the... Yeah, so so here's here's the deal is, is what I do is I work with high school athletes and coaches and really help them connect the dots between sports and life. And so understanding that the very things that make athletes and coaches successful on the field are the things that will help them be successful off the field. And so we do that in a lot of different ways, but kind of at the end of the day, it really looks like speaking life into them and what we call the locker room international version. And so we just take the biblical truths of scripture and then we translate them to uh, the way that a high school athlete would see it in, in a way that would fit in the locker room and be applicable to sports. And so we get to we get to share the truth in a lot of really fun ways, a lot of really cool places. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you were my high school wrestling coach's character development mm-hmm. coach. Character mm-hmm. development, that's like yep, the, the that's phrase it. now. What is that even? It. It's like... You're not a chaplain because that's yeah not not a chaplain. Development. Player development is, okay. is is kind of a phrase that might be used in the collegiate level. Okay, fancy. Yeah. So in my high school wrestling team, there is an epidemic of broken hands because athletes would lose a match. They would go into the locker right. room right. and they would take it out <laughs> on an actual yeah. locker. Turns out it's not the locker's fault. It's not. No. Yeah. What would your speech be once the second uh, varsity wrestler broke his hand doing that? Right. Yeah. So we, we talk about a couple things. Try to a lot of times speak in tweets just because it's easy to remember. Uh, but we'd say things like, hey, listen, success isn't final and failure is not fatal. So this isn't the end of the day, uh, number one. So we try to put that into perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we talk about the power of owning your mistakes and owning your failures. Mm-hmm. It might say something like, if you don't own your mistakes or own your failures, uh, then they will own you. And so if you outsource the ownership of that failure to the locker, 
and you go and you start beating on the locker, it's the locker's fault, the locker's fault. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The locker's the only one that can change that. But the moment that you own it and you start asking, why did this happen? The moment that you own it and you start walking through what led you to that place, when you own it, then you can change it. You can grow from it, learn from it, and become better. So we try to connect those dots mm-hmm. and, and just help provide perspective a lot of times. Yeah. Perspective and connecting the dots are two phrases that might, hmm. uh, might communicate well what we do. I think I would have not punched a locker if I would have heard that talk. Hey, there you go. That's pretty solid. Now, one of the other things that you've brought into my life was a vegan lunch that we just had. And you know, your heart's thankful. <laughs> my heart, my cholesterol is sad because it's <laughs> lower than it used to be. You didn't tell me it was a vegan restaurant before you sent me the place that we're meeting that I agreed to. Do you feel like that was unchristlike to do that to me? I, I do not. Uh, I do. I do not think that. I think it was. It was uh, in, in the words of, uh, of of maybe the scriptures. I'm not sure. I was. I was calling you out into the waters. You know. You know. It's it's funny. Speaking of water, when I was in there, I saw a waitress bringing uh, a plate of food out, and I thought I saw a piece of chicken on the top of someone's salad, <laughs> and I realized that's just a mirage. Like a mirage. when you're in the desert, you just. The your, devil your is brain real. Creates it. The devil is real. I would also say God's real, and yeah, that's what that's, protein is. Um. Anyway, so if this if this podcast isn't up to snuff, um, or up to Copenhagen, whatever you want to call it, um, it's because I haven't had protein today. It's and not true. There was lots of protein. It just wasn't animal protein. Do you, you should see his face right the now. Sound, like, the like sound you're hearing right now. His face would be a meme. Like if we could have captured that, it would be a viral meme that you would use on your iMessenger over and over and over again. Uh, on the daily and be on your recent used. You could you can see my muscles atrophying as we speak. They're just <laughs> bye. Okay, it's time for the mailbag. Let's get let's and get so out of business. Let's let's do this. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have Stephen read these and then uh, we're gonna talk about them. So uh, you want to start us off? Yeah, let's start. Let's start with a question from Nathan, and he writes, Luke, thanks for another year of insightful podcast. The highlights for me were the Brian's on. DR discussions and anytime Richard Beck is on. Should I know who DR is? If I if I were a great podcast, Derek Richmond. Yeah, because that, that was the back and forth, right? Exactly. He wrote the eleven thousand word uh, rebuttal of Brian Zahn's book. You did listen. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. It was it was the DR that I didn't get. Yeah. Uh, so Brian, you might have thought it was the Dominican Republic. You could have thought that, or Doctor somebody. Yeah. A lot of doctors on. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So loves when lo- he loves when Beck is on and wrap ups are always great despite Jonathan Stormont, uh, which is weird. Um, <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> no, actually it says, especially when some of the month's conversation get into murky waters, i.e. John Cobb. So here is his question. As a parent in time where t- in a time where everything seems up for debate, do you ever worry about how to pass on essential truth to your kids? Calvinists can point to their creeds, Catholic can point to the church, but the rest of us, especially progressives, lack a quote-unquote hard copy to pass on. Thanks, Nathan. Okay, solid question. I think the parenting one is um, the big question. Rohr said before, it's best to grow up conservative, uh, and sometimes people are no longer conservative, but you know growing up conservative, there is a benefit to that. There's a lot yeah. of the, the hard edges. You know where to stop. You know what to do. This is the parameters that you're allowed to exist within. So it's a great place to start. It's not really always, not saying conservative, but a heavily boundaried faith as though that is the end isn't always ideal. Um, what I would say, Nathan, is what I would look to is not focus just on the things that you want your kids to think, but the practices you want them to live into. 
So the question isn't just what is a way to instill orthodoxy as in right thinking, but orthopraxy as right behavior. And so when, um, I want to say this was my old boss, uh, Rick actually told a story, where when he was a kid, he remembers seeing his dad the first of every month get out his checkbook and write a check that he would give to church. And he remembered that practice, and so that helped him develop that as one of his practices. I think one of the issues we see today, um, I don't know if you, okay, Stephen, I don't know if you see this with, with athletes, but the amount of time that athletes are expected to invest now, substantially more than it was Absolutely. when we were growing up. Absolutely. And with the increased effort in extracurricular activities, there has to be something else that takes a back seat. Correct. And I think what we see now is a lot of parents are saying, well, you know what, uh, kids playing sports all weekend, they've got a Sunday thing, we, you know, we can skip church, it's sure. not that big a deal. The average church member is going to church twice a month. Okay. You used to be a pastor, does that... Yeah, twice a month sound yeah, right for absolutely. you. Whereas twenty years ago, that number, even ten years ago, that number much was much higher, much higher. And so, what we're modeling for our kids is: your sports are essential; you can't miss those. Church is something that's not as essential. Mm-hmm. And so, almost the antithesis of the practice of my friend seeing his dad write a check once a month is happening when our kids are seeing parents saying, "Hey, this isn't really that important. You don't have to do this every week. You don't have to do this, you know, but twice a month in terms of church attendance." So. I think what we have to be asking the question is, what kind of practices are we instilling in our kids? Mm-hmm. And so this is what I would do. I would ask the question of, what is what you think a faithful Christian looks like? What does that person do? And then I would go backwards and and retrofit the practices that create that sort of person. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's work on this together, Stephen. So if you're thinking of, you've got three kids. Mm-hmm. Your youngest is two months old. Yep. Your oldest, how old is He's five. He's on his red shirt kindergarten year. Red shirt kindergarten. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you got a five-year-old. Three. Five, three, and two-month-old. Two old, yeah. Okay, so mine are a little bit older than you. But when we think of what we want our kids to be, think. Um, so let's say we want. I, I want my kids to be intellectually curious. Mm-hmm. That's a characteristic. I want them to, to continue to try to learn to grow. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's say that's a practice. We want both of our kids, yeah. all six of our children. Right. Then I would go back and get what are practices that would foster that. Right. So, and, for example, you you tell kids, hey, look, maybe you get a toy on your birthday or at Christmas or at these special occasions, but you've got an unlimited book budget, and so as often as you want to mm-hmm. buy a book, uh, because that's going to spark questions, curiosity, imagination, mm-hmm. then we can go to the library, we can go to Barnes and Noble, or let's be real, we'll get on Amazon and we can order in books. Could yeah. be a, a practice that would then spark a, a, a lifelong curiosity. Yep. And so you're saying, let's do the same thing, mm-hmm. but spiritually. Yep. So if we value as uh, Christians, whatever label you want to put on it, conservative, progressive, whatever label you might use, if something that you would see Jesus doing in what a, the kind of Christian you would want your child to be, mm-hmm. to be serving those who are in need, mm-hmm. then a practice might be every Thanksgiving and every Christmas or once a month, you go down to the homeless shelter yeah. and you, you'd give out food. Why? Because you want in practice them to see that, hey, a Christian is someone who cares for those who don't have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gratitude is, a, it is of utmost importance to me. And so even on a daily basis, what that looks like, uh, the big events, I think, are the ones they're probably going to remember the most. But I think the little ones will also have a more of a cumulative effect. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's tell me your three highs for today. And so I want to instill the process very early on of these are things I'm grateful for that they happened. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's kind of the practice. Now, when it comes to more, okay, so you just want your kids to do the, the right thing. I get that's, that's part of it. I think that's a big part that we often overlook. I would also want them to know, like, God is love. God is for you. And I think part of that comes from telling the stories together. Like, you, mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to instill the practices, but also you're going to, like, do the stories together. Uh, Adeline was trying to uh, talk Lindsay into letting her sleep in and skip class <laughs> before church. And so she said... Mom, I don't need to go to Bible class. I learned enough about Jesus and Daddy's sermons. Which one, I'm like, <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? If you're going to play on my ego, you're probably going to get what you want. <laughs> but I want my kids to be learning the stories outside of that. And so I would hold loosely to secondary things and have a very small box of essentials, which would be like, God is love. There is redemption. God is always for you. That sort of foundational thing. Hold on to the, the other stuff how you understand God and suffering, how you understand the, how the world was created, how you understand what heaven's going to be like. Those are secondary things. Differentiate them. So would you, would you say maybe the, the difference, because obviously the value of starting from that conservative place is that you have this set amount of things that we know. These are the beliefs we want them to have, and we want those beliefs then, once you understand this, to lead to certain actions. Mm-hmm. What, you're might saying, what you're saying is for those who maybe don't have quite the hard, quote-unquote, hard copy yeah. that Nathan referred to, you're saying develop the practices mm-hmm. and then connect the dots back to Scripture yeah. and connect the dots back to the, the theology and you are starting with the practices, and that's your quote-unquote hard copy, mm-hmm. and then you're connecting the dots to the, to the belief, similar to the way that the beliefs on the hard copy for our conservative brothers and sisters, they're then connecting the dots to yep. the action. Yeah, in the same way that Jesus called the disciples, come follow me. They learned as they went. Mm-hmm. They learned by doing life with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I would want to elevate the value of the lifestyle that you're instilling in the kid, and go, that is just as quote-unquote, like, theological formation, formative as, like, book, chapter, and verse that you're going to read to them. Yep. Not, th- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Love good? it. You got yeah. the next one? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Brendan asked uh, ask about a fight club. He said, who wins in a fight, Beck or Nadia? Okay. Uh, Richard Beck. Yep. Friend of the give, show. Give him the tell of the tape. Okay, Richard Beck. Um, how old is Richard? He's got a son in college. So let's put him... Oh, man, this is, this is you, bro. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I would say... But y'all are close. He's yeah. your dad's age. No, my no. dad was his first professor, like okay. psychology teacher in college. Okay, so that gives a frame of reference. Okay, so my dad, 66, let's put Beck 47. Okay, also, uh, Dr. Beck, I apologize for saying that you were the same age as Dr. Norsworthy. It's all right. Um, contemporaries. Yeah, they're... they're Co- no, colleagues, that's the word. Colleagues, that's it. I graduated from A&M, man. Vocabulary <laughs> is not my strong suit. <laughs> what would be the strong suit of an A&M grad? <sighs> Tradition. There it is. There it is. How about that? Yells? I'm, I'm, yeah, it, they yell a lot. We, they... I'm, I'm like a half a percenter. I'm going to be yeah. honest, man. Yeah. My wife went to Texas, um, if that helps. The best part of your... Your family. There you go. There it is. Okay, so Beck uh, played a little college basketball. Okay. Um, so he's, he's got the reach. Yeah, he does. But Nadia is taller than me. And so we're going to put... Which is not saying much. Unless... No, sorry. That's not right. That's our, our words mean. should be used with salt. Yeah. Not salt. Not in a wound, though. Like, no. to season. Season. I felt like with that was grace. right in a wound. That was right So I wound. think, here's the thing. I think <laughs> Beck's commitment to being a pacifist 
might be stronger than Nadia's. And Nadia does a lot of strength training, Olympic mm -hmm. lifts. Crossfitter. Crossfit extraordinaire. Got the guns. Yeah, I'm going to say Nadia based on her strength, her youth, and um, um, Beck's passivity. Okay. Also, she has called him um, there, on this podcast a certain word, so there might be a backstory. So that's a good question. We might see it one day. We might not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But... Um, Thanks for the question. Great question. Question number three, we're going to go from Fight Club to deep into the world of theology and talk about some messianic expectations. Norm from Michigan asked, was anyone waiting for Jesus, the fellow who would teach loves for one enemy, the one who would omit the verse about the Lord's vengeance when reading in the synagogue, the one who would be the perfect sacrifice? Mm. Mackie, uh, you might have to put on your old seminary hat yeah. right now uh, as we a, jump into this one. Yeah, pass. No. Okay, you, <laughs> okay. Were they expect? I would look at Peter, and his response to Jesus was, I think, pretty similar to most people, mm -hmm. in that when Jesus talked about suffering, it didn't make sense. Jesus was corrected by Peter, uh, like like Peter pulls Jesus aside and gives him notes, like, "Hey, uh, that stuff about suffering, let's not do that," uh, which would seem to signify that Peter didn't expect Jesus right, to be what he is. I think the common expectation was a messianic figure that would look like David. And mm -hmm. David was conquering king, mm -hmm. uh, celebrated military um, leader, and I think there was an expectation that Jesus would overcome the Roman oppression mm -hmm. of the... Uh, Israelites in the first century. So I don't think they were expecting him to be what he was. And I think a lot of what we see um, now is that sometimes we don't want Jesus to be what he was either. Yeah. And I think we probably have similar expectations that um, are can be just as disappointing to us. Sure. And, and, and isn't it true in kind of all of our American dreamness that Jesus doesn't really fit that a, a lot of times? And, and certainly for, for them, like you think about just the absurdity of Jesus's life. He loved the unlovables, healed the unhealables, hung out with the unhang He hung out with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was in all the wrong places to the point that the religious establishment, who if anybody was looking for him, surely it should have been religious establishment, uh, they, they wanted nothing to do with him. They wanted to get rid of him. He dies on a criminal's cross, mm -hmm. um, is, is laid to, to rest in a borrowed tomb. Like none of that says that he is the guy uh, over and over. Hey, if you're, if you're really the Messiah, then why don't you bring yourself down? If you're really who you say you are, why don't you do what a Messiah should do? Comes in on a donkey, not on a white horse. Like just over and over again, we look for the winner they're looking for the winner. And what does Jesus say? My, my kingdom is not the type of kingdom that you're expecting. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that, that you're right on. Just like today, we kind of miss out on it. What do you, can you think of some ways just in not culture at large, but maybe even in like on the micro in people's lives that Jesus is a little bit different than what we're expecting? Hmm. Well, I would say that our hopes of what, well, there's an entire book about Jesus and God not meeting our expectations. Which, really? Who, I wonder when, who, who could write that and when that could come I don't out. know. I think you should uh, look for it October 2nd uh, and find bookstores across this wonderful country of ours. Um, so you can get the full answer there, wherever that book is. I'm sure it's going to be good. Specifically, God over good. It's <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. This, this and this wasn't even, like, for the record, Luke was not like, hey, find a way to plug the book. No, like, that was just like a legitimate question. And then 
Yeah, we're, we're 10 months away from the book coming out, and I'm already talking about it this much. Um, sorry about that, y'all. Anyway, I, I think, like, the bigger expectations is that power is always better and that we would be willing to compromise uh, so we can have power and control. And we think if we get power, that means solutions for the church in that we get exactly what we want, and therefore we're going to be better off. And I think the way of Jesus is always giving up power of Mm -hmm. letting go. And our obsession with strength and control is not met in Jesus. And Jesus Mm -hmm. chooses to, to die on a cross and our clearest picture of who God is is Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And that's not really... Like, like, I'm far more like Peter than I am like Jesus. I don't want this to be my road. I don't want this to be where I go. And when Jesus says, carry your cross and, and deny yourself, I would m- much rather preach a sermon about it than actually do it myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How would you answer that question? Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of times where I want to win, 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 mm-hmm. and I want to win in the name of Jesus, and I can do all things through Christ, like right the yeah. the uh, the banner before the football game, and yeah. God give us victory, and and we it's really it's really seductive to celebrate the God of victory, especially when God when the victory is in our life, and we attribute that you know to God, which certainly God is a God of victory, and He death wears your sting, like He is the yeah, greatest yeah. victory. Um, but I think it is so easy to use that for our own gain mm-hmm. um, that that winning and money uh, can can become a greedy mistress. Power can be a greedy yep. mistress. Um, how much power, how much money, how much winning is enough? Just a little bit more. Yep. And so um, I think that we can uh, almost use that for our own purposes yeah. um, and, and become kind of uh, like the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Yeah. Uh, I've done a few locker room talks, not nearly as many as you, uh, but just a few. And I've always had this tension of Jesus would say to lay your life down and to sacrifice. And so, oh, I can do the speech about, okay, you sacrifice yourself for your teammates Mm -hmm. as a way for y'all to win. But the way of Jesus is not like, I'm going to be the best. And it seems like that's very counterintuitive to what mm-hmm. often has to be said for yeah. people to be successful in the athletic world. Yeah, so one of the one of the phrases that I'll use a lot because if you're not careful, kind of the first level that people think about what we do is either that it's not about winning or uh, that it is it's just those those direct connections, sacrifice on the cross, sacrifice for your teammates. But what we've tried to do is is try to go a couple le- levels deeper. And so what we'll say ab- about winning versus success is that, uh, is that winning is greedy, but success is generous. And that winning is just something that if, if that's your end goal, right, if your ambition is to only win, then it'll never be enough. But if you have a deeper alignment with what matters most, then I don't just want, to, I want to do something more than winning, right? Because I want to, I want to garner a greater influence and winning may be a part of that, maybe not, I want to garner a greater influence so that I can turn around and use that for those who don't have any. My, my, my alignment with using my influence for other people drives me to work harder and to be better and to do more than, than simply trying to win for myself. Mm-hmm. We're connecting it to something greater. Uh, and so, and I think a lot of ways, right, that is, that is the, the, the call of the Christian is to go, let's not just stop at sharing the gospel. What did Paul say in 1 Thessalonians that we loved you so much, not only did we share with you the gospel, but our very lives. Yeah. And so I'm going to give you more than just the scripture. I'm going to give you my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with, uh, with the way of Jesus to go and say, hey, I'm going to give you my life. 
means that, you know, we could go and make a million dollars, but we're not going to keep it for ourselves because what we've been blessed with is our, we, we have to be good stewards of that to now take it and use it for the most amount of good. Yeah. And that may or may not be the biggest house for us. That may or, It may be that you two or three steps down your house so that you can take that income, that money, and use it to fund min- ministry. Um, or to make a difference. So, you know, you just have to start to really die to self in that. But when you have that deeper alignment um, mm-hmm. with the way of Jesus, you know, you find out that you can never really outgive the generosity of God. Um, and so... That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's, that's fun. All right, let's, uh, let's go. Question number four. Uh, this is a good one. Aaron Henry asks, what is your favorite Bible translation to use? And also, do you think that... Oh, gosh, it's been too long. Jet... How do you say that? Uh, Jephtha? Sure, Jephtha actually sacrificed his daughter. If so, why did God spare Isaac but not her? Okay, uh, two questions. My favorite Bible translation is the NRSV. I started using that when I was in grad school because when I would check my answers in Greek class, mm-hmm. it seemed to lend me with the best grades. So sure. I started using NRSV there, and I continue to use that. I like to change it up every once in a while and use the message just because it's not trying to be an actual translation. It's more uh, a paraphrase, and somehow it can kind of uh, connect to me in ways that when I'm expecting the translation to be a certain way, um, and it comes to the side, it can hit, like it hits me. So NRSV with a steady mixture of the message. What about you, Mackie? I, for a long time, was an NRSV guy, um, and again, through grad school. uh, But once I graduated from Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, thanks to No Mascot Seminary, um, (laughs) it's stupid. Uh, Why did you allow me on this thing? Uh, Once I got (laughs) through that, I I began to reflect on... the vegan food. That's The vegan food, that's what you did. Yeah, plant power. Um, I began to reflect on something that my professor, the dean of Fuller, Texas, uh, said on the very first day of class that I didn't understand then, and it took several years for me to get. We were there in class, and uh, somebody was asking all the questions, hey, what is the very best translation for us to use? Because obviously, we've not learned Greek and Hebrew yet, and once we do, we'll totally just translate (laughs) that. Uh, And so so what's the best one to use? And he said, his answer uh, was so, so good. He said, the translation that you will actually read. Uh, the one that you will read is the best one to read. And at, at that moment, I was like, yeah, but which one? And then now I realized that what he was getting at was if we engage with the scripture, then the scripture will change us. Um, that if we will dive into it and we will go into it expecting to meet with the Lord, then the Lord will meet with us. And that it's not necessarily in the translation, because obviously you can hop in the game. You know, do we want to go you know, idea for idea, word for word? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, like what you're doing, unless you think in Greek and think in Hebrew, you are trusting someone's translation, whether it be a council of people on an odd number or uh, someone, your pastor that you love and trust and, and believe that he's got the best understanding of New Testament Greek. At some point, you're trusting someone's translation. Yeah. And so you go, okay, I'm going to trust beyond that, and I'm going to trust that when I dive into Scripture, that God's going to speak to me. And, and I've been, for the last two years, I've been all in on the message. It's been the only translation that I've read for about the last two years. And, and people hop on, like, the message hating. I don't know if I can go to this tangent. But people start hating on yeah. the message, and it like drives me bonkers. 
because it, it, for lots of reasons. But at the end <laughs> of the day, like I sit and go, if you are now, if you are wrestling over which translation to read, and that's your hangup, and that keeps you from getting in the Bible, then the devil is one. You've completely missed the whole picture. And I'm just going to trust that God can speak through Eugene Peterson, the same that God can speak through uh, some world-class uh, Bible translators and, and scholars, um, the same. Now, obviously, if I'm trying to get into the nitty-gritty of uh, parsing tenses and all that, I'm not going to use the, the message. But um, my intention is, per- is different. And my intention has been to go, God, like, I want you to speak to me so it changes the way I live. Yep. And so I've gotten in on And that's message. what Peterson was trying to do when he wrote it. Yeah, and absolutely. Like he told a story about, I think he told it on here, mm-hmm. but where he talked about, I, I have these guys that I want to help them understand the Bible. And that's a very noble task. And yeah, yeah it's not going to be a technical study Bible that you're going to use if you're having some technical debate. Of course not. But the everyday use of the Bible is not for that purpose. Right. It's not so that you can master the Bible, so that the Bible masters you. Okay, so NRSV is my message. We both like the message, so there you go. Um, all right, that was... Uh, I answered that one. You answered the second one oh about... Okay, yeah. uh, so the story is... Uh, it's from Judges 11. And so there is... Uh, situation where the Israelites are going off to battle, and Jephthah makes his vow that whatever comes out of whatever I see first, which there's debate, did he say whoever or whatever, um, that's debatable that you're not going to find in the message, you will find in a more technical translation, but he makes his vow, and he comes home from battle, and they've won, and the first thing that comes out is his daughter. Now, in that culture, it was very common for women to participate in these celebratory parades. And so the idea of a person coming out first, I don't think would have been beyond the realm of the possible. And so his daughter comes out and there's a deep deal of like sadness because she hasn't had a child yet. And so they grieve that and then she is, she is killed. Uh, so do, do I think it really happened yet? Yeah, I really do think so. And the question is, why did God not stop that in the same way that God spared Isaac? And I would say this is the difference of a prescriptive text and a descriptive text. I think the book of Judges, there's this constant spiraling down that happens in Judges where things get worse and worse every iteration. They have this like refrain that happens where um, they had a leader and then they don't have a leader and everyone does what's right in their own eyes because there is no king. And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse And every time they do something wrong, God raises up a new judge, and then they do fine, and then they keep getting worse after the judge is gone. And it goes all the way down to the end of the book where it says they did this because they had no king. And so this is a transition to get to Samuel appointing Saul as the first king. And so Judges is like describing how bad things can be when God isn't in the equation. Whereas in the story of Isaac in Genesis, God commands um, Isaac to be sacrificed, whereas Jephthah had no command by the Lord to do what he did. And so I, I, that doesn't make the Isaac story any less terrifying. I mean, God commanded someone to sacrifice their kid, even though God does save the kid at the end. And so maybe this is a corrective against other gods like Molech, who would have been a god who commanded child sacrifice. Uh, that's still a disconcerting text, the one about Isaac sacrificing his son, but um, or Isaac being sacrificed. Uh, but I think the difference is like, what is the big picture of the text trying to accomplish? And just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's a good thing to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. the devil says to do things in the Bible. Sure. That doesn't mean it's good. I think anyone sacrificing their kid, let me just say this as clear as possible, it's a bad idea. Don't do that. 
Yeah, just don't. Don't do that. That's a tweet. Don't kill your kids. And I think that is a picture of what happens when things are, are grossly out of God's intention for humanity. Sure. And, and you know, it, as you, you begin to wrestle through this, like, again, this just kind of brings up, if I can connect the two questions, this question is a very technical question. And the purpose of this question isn't so much that it would change the way that you live or change what you go and do, because I'm pretty sure nobody's thinking, hey, I'm going to go sacrifice a kid, and this Bible is, this verse is my, uh, you know, directive to go do so. It is, I'm asking this question because I want to understand something on a deeper level. And so I'm asking someone who has gone through training, who has studied this in a specific way for uh, a very technical answer. Uh, This text isn't going to change the way that devotionally you live or how you go and serve people. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, you can look at translations that way. Um, Am I going to this because I want to learn about the text of the Bible? Or am I going about this because I want devotion? Am I going about this because I want to engage with Scripture on an intellectual level or on a practical level? Um, And so just like you can uh, engage translations differently, this question is an example of the technical question versus a devotional question, how I understand God uh, intellectually in this really difficult situation versus how I understand God devotionally and in my life and practice. Yeah, and if you don't, if you don't have the practical side to it, I think you will be devoid of a healthy spiritual life mm-hmm. where it's, okay, I'm just going to read this to debate and to argue about an idea or to understand hi- historical context. However well-intentioned your like intellectual pursuits are like that's a very important part but if it's just also just application without like diving into the the deep issues Mm -hmm. like both of those are going to leave you anemic in one facet of your life that's right and i think like the big picture what judges is trying to do is it's like a it's like a prehistoric almost uh breaking bad i think Mm -hmm. prehistoric's the wrong word but it's a very uh old version of breaking bad like this story gets worse and worse and worse and breaking bad is telling like a big important story that like, if you get in the drug business, things are going to end poorly for you. Right. Like, you could tweet that, or you could watch six seasons of a show and go, oh, yeah, it's really bad if you do that. Or just listen to Luke's sermons from around 2010 to 2016 or so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that oh. hurts, man. That's good. I, I know about Breaking Bad because of your sermons. <laughs> really? You never watched it? Never seen an episode. <laughs> But I know what happens because you're servants. <laughs> Did I really talk about it that much? I mean, I don't know about that much. Maybe I'm just overly observant to your <laughs> sermons. Like, I still, I still remember points from your sermon from like 2014, bro love. But you've never gone into but the But you know what? I'm not drug, in the drug business. Yeah. So and I'm not gonna. You're welcome. Yeah. That's what I'm here to do. Yeah. Thanks okay. Did we answer that question concisely? Hope so. Yeah. Um, All right. Next question. Okay. Yeah. I think this is our, yeah, okay. You good with that? Yeah. Let's just do one more. One more question. Here we go. What is your favorite podcast? Well, obviously what I need is something from my friends at Two Words, where (laughs) as I'm not a coach, I'm not a captain, I'm not a parent, but I still need some some things that help from high school football coaches. So obviously that one is important. Right. So so you're referring to uh, Coach 360, Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of our leadership. It's a leadership podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're getting that? You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, or you could be referring to the Plus One podcast with mm. Stephen Mackey, yeah. uh, which is Daily Leadership. And, uh, you know, either You one. listen to a ton of podcasts. I really do. I, I really don't. I, okay, part of the reason is, 
Because you listen to yours on repeat? No, I, I don't. Because you listen to old episodes. I do. I listen to old Jonathan Storman episodes. Makes that's, me feel that's smart. That's not even true. The, oh, my gosh. The, no, no. My daily routine, it's like the same thing I do every day. Like, I wake up, I listen to music while I work out. I drive to work, listen to music. I work on, I do writing uh, for the first three hours of the day. In the afternoon, like, I'll do a podcast. I'll do... Most most of all, I'll do like interaction with church members or church meetings and that kind of stuff. And then by the end of the day, if I'm coming home at five o'clock or like tonight, I'll come home like at seven thirty or whatever. I don't want to think, and right. so I listen to like entertainment stuff, gotcha. like sports podcasts. Bill Simmons. I listen to Bill Simmons a lot. I actually was talking to a friend yesterday up here, uh, who's a, a scout, and mm-hmm. I was talking to him like, oh yeah, my beloved Yankees traded like three minor leaguers to the. Uh, the A's in the middle of last season. And I was like, oh, yeah, Fowler and uh, Caprellian. And then Mateo, and he goes, how do you know all this stuff? You should be reading your Bible. And I'm like, no, it's because I'm reading the Bible all day. I don't want to read the Bible or right. like an intellectual You do discussion. want to read the Bible. For the record, Luke likes to read his Bible. I do, but I do that in the morning first thing. Anyway, but you, you listen to a ton of podcasts. I do. I do. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of run through a list of things. Uh, on the on the spiritual side, in all seriousness, uh, obviously newsworthy with Norsworthy, you know that. Oh. But I also listen to the Westover uh, sermon podcast, and so that that is that is a regular thing for me. And and obviously not because I'm standing here, <laughs> but you really do a great job uh, with that. And so obviously listen to that. Also listen to Rob Bell's podcast, the the mm-hmm. Robcast. Um, the daughter cast is what we call it over here. <laughs> the daughter cast, right? Well, you call it what you want. Uh, I call it amazing, and mm-hmm. uh, really is just an, uh, just a gem. And so listen to that, um, and then and then I listen to kind of uh, several folks. Hey, uh, he said he said on the podcast one time. I started doing a podcast because I was inspired by yours. And so that's why I call it the daughter cast. Was he talking to you when he said yours or was it? He was on the phone. He was on the phone with someone else, but I thought that was about me. That's what matters is is what you think. No, it's Uh, the minute 39 mark of the second. Okay. Commander Mark Devine, uh, the unbeatable mind podcast. Hmm. Uh, He's a former Navy SEAL commander. And so uh, just really kind of jive on, on some of his stuff. Uh, listen to several, you know, the, the Tony Robbins uh, of the world, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk. Are you big on Tony Robbins? I wasn't until I saw his Netflix documentary. And I, that was fascinating. Dude, dude's next level. Like, he's the best in the world what he does. He is, br- I don't know what he's really saying. I'm not 100% sure what that is. I watched that documentary and I thought, this guy's extremely talented. Yep. And he has created this empire. Yep. With some... Do you think if I use more curse words in mm. sermons, mm. it would have the same response? Not in the Church of Christ. Okay. All you right. know, but like, I don't know, if maybe you were like at, I don't know, Hillsong, New York or something, you might get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not, not Carl, 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 you don't, I don't think Carl, I don't, I don't think, think Carl's a, he's, he's he not doesn't, a doesn't. He, he doesn't work blue. He doesn't what? Work blue. Comedians, if you use salty language, it's called working blue. Oh. No. You don't listen to any comedian podcast, yeah. do you? No, I don't. No. Okay. I don't. Okay, so you listen to those. Yep, listen to those. Uh, listen to a couple of politics podcasts, just NPR and some of those mm-hmm. things to stay up to date on that. Uh, and then, yeah, those are those are kind of it's it's always it's always learning for me. Um, and then and then I'm a two X or bust kind of guy. Um, it's it's two X or bust. Like there's not there's not enough hours in the day. There's too much to learn to to sit on one X. Like forget that really? nonsense. Two X or bust. I I listen to books one and a half time on Audible. Um, sometimes I feel like it just. Anyway, yeah, I, I do listen to other podcasts. I listen, you know what sermon podcast I listen to every once in a while is John Orberg's. I don't know if you ever listen to him. 
I like his stuff. I listen to my friends' podcasts, so which is evident because you knew the name of both of mine. You're welcome. I don't know names of stuff. Like I don't know names you, of you books. You know names of books. Touche. Touche. I never do that. Um, <laughs> whatever, man. Yeah. No, the uh, so obviously I've listened to. Some of my friends' sermons, I listen to like Annie's podcast. I li- listen to Suzanne's and Ian's, mm-hmm. the Enneagram podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to check in on what they're doing over at the Liturgist. Um, I like to listen to my old boss, old Rick Ashley, every once in a while, check in on him. So there's a, a, a lot of those that I really enjoy. Yep. And I'm sure I'm missing some other ones. Oh, sure. There's lots of, lots of good ones out there. That's yep. the great thing about it. Yeah. Is there's no shortage of podcasts. No, there's really not. And... The weird thing is that when I started the podcast, if I would have a big name person on, I would get a big uptick, like based on, oh, this is this person's crowd is going to come check it out. And s- over the last three or four years, however long I've been doing this, like I don't get a bump anymore from like a quote unquote big name person. Mm-hmm. Just because if you want to hear that person, you're going to hear them. Sure. There's a plethora of other options to do that. Sure. And so whatever that means, I don't know. But like, I think you can, you can find people talking to whoever, whatever niche you want. There's yeah. a podcast out there for it. If Richard, Rohr, uh, Richard Roar's um, homilies. Mm. They're a little, they're like 10 minutes. Like for you, that'd be like mm-hmm. three seconds. Sure. And powerful are, three seconds, powerful three seconds. Yeah. Well, uh, brother Mackey, this has been a powerful podcast. Thanks for doing the, yeah. the mailbag. Thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Any two word? G- give us a two. Oh close with a two word. <laughs> give us, give us a two word closing. Oh, two words for you. You know, if I if I ever won the lottery, mm-hmm. one idea I had was to hire Ray Lewis to give me a pep talk every morning. There you go. Um, say I couldn't afford Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. but I could afford you, which is right. just like ten thousand hour less. That's the only difference. Got it. Um, Give me like the, the pep talk to get up and go dominate today. I want that, that 30 second speech and we're going to close with that. All right, here it is. Uh, two words for you here. There are sacrifice required. There's a lot of things in life that are optional. If you want to be successful in life, talent is optional. Being good looking is optional. In your case, that's a great thing. Uh, coming from the right family, the right home, the right genetics. There's a lot of too short people in the NBA, a lot of too small people in the NFL. There are a lot of things that are optional. But the one thing in life that is required, if you want to be successful, is sacrifice. Sacrifice required. And at the end of the day, no matter where you go, no matter what industry, what age or stage you're in, success is always going to be expensive in its currency is sacrifice. And your sacrifice is going to look different than mine, but I can promise you today and every day, rent is going to be due and you're going to have to pay up to, to reach the success that you want. Be that uh, in work, be that on the field, off the field, in your family, sacrifice required. There it is. <laughs> for what, take it or leave it. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.